I, I feel totally drawn. So with the whole metaphor of the hospicing and celebrating death, a very dangerous, also prevalent in retro-romantic circles, often in permaculture circles, is this nothing could be better if the paradigm now crumbles. And I strongly disagree. And I would say science is in favor of making a strong disclaimer on that because the likelihood of the whole of culture spiraling back to hordes and tribes and violence and um, civil war conditions is very likely. So if we hospice the emerging, like the, the, the old paradigm and want to assist the birthing of the new paradigm clearly on the systems piece, it's this transition towards unlimited amounts of renewable energy because once we don't have any problems on the energy level then a lot of the edges and problems of agriculture abundance in economies regenerative ecosystems become super simple and i certainly know inside of me that this is just artificially created scarcity of of a vast amount of renewable energies or maybe even zero point energy. I don't know, right? Um, because it serves the interests of a few. And this is where like the power imbalances become like a crucial topic we need to address because unless the vast majority know and like know and breathe that most of the crumbling paradigm, I'm not saying everything, but most of the crumbling paradigm is just artificially created to serve the interests of very few. And once you, you dig that, then actually there's a lot of hope in the middle, a lot of hope. I personally don't believe that it needs to be very difficult, but the transition needs to be very well facilitated and this is where definitely um yeah this is the space where we as humanity we we don't know but definitely just hospicing is not enough so we need to at the same time build the transition midwife the new midwife. yeah midwife the new yeah definitely well, there's, you know, something else uh, about that addresses, I, I feel like, to me, the hopeful part of what you're pointing at, Ross, and it's a really important one. Um, and that is, so my, my great interest is in transformation of the inner life and transformation of the outer world. And I believe both are necessary, because if you just focus on the outer and you, you never get to the inner, <laughs> if you just focus on the inner, um, then you haven't really tested with the outer. Um, and so, you know, contemplation, um, work on the inner self through lots of different practices. There's myriads of them. Um, and action, contemplation and action are two sides of the same coin. Um, because those that have done a lot of contemplative work and a lot of different uh, practices of meditation and uh, many other, you know, uh, 
somatic practices, um, emotional practices um, that never really give it away, uh, stretch themselves out into the community where it's difficult. Um, the sense is, is that the real fruits of the contemplative life are, are what you're doing when you're not sitting on a cushion or something like that. It's when you're not practicing. That's the evidence of the fruit of practice. So if you have the inner and you don't have the outer, it's incomplete. Um, and it's so, but you also have this rise in activism because so many people are hurting. Um, and uh, if activism isn't rooted in something that is deep and meaningful, oftentimes it can become what it opposes or look like what it opposes oftentimes. And so it's almost as if the contemplatives need to become more active in their life and the activists could benefit from becoming more contemplative. And the sense is, is that when, when both individuals and groups work on the inside work and on the outside work, the natural effect of that is compassion. It's caring. Ultimately, Pamela, it's, it's eros. That's really a, a better word for it, ultimately. Um, and if it doesn't have that, it's incomplete. And ultimately, it's empty. And do you have a sense of how we might draw people into contemplative practices and activism? I mean, I meet people all the time who um, seem oblivious to the suffering, you know, or whatever we call that, the problems of the world, or who are not oblivious, they're aware, but they feel perhaps impotent and or seem to be entirely inactive. And contemplation is something I find quite rare in people. And I wonder to what extent or how we, how does one draw people into even considering contemplation or activism or perhaps rather contemplative activism as you're suggesting well i i don't want to dominate the conversation here but here's my answer to that is that it's not about uh drawing people into it and it's not about creating a story because my sense is is that both of those are happening naturally they're happening organically they're not driven from uh, any one place that's like everywhere and nowhere. And so um, it's, it's by, you know, I think they say in Al-Anon, it's by attraction, not promotion. Um, and my sense, and I spent years of my life studying contemplative traditions all over the world um, and, and, and their practices. And what I discovered through that process, spending time in monasteries and ashrams and temples and working with indigenous elders and working with really young children, adults, people that are dying, is that everyone is contemplative. It's not the exception, it's the rule. It goes with the territory because everybody has an inner life. That's the contemplative dimension, the mystery of their own inner life. But how they approach that, practices and such, is very personal. It's very unique. So I think the, the, 
the real good thing and the thing where the work needs to be done is that everybody's contemplative. We'll start with that. That's the common ground. But how you meet that mystery, it could be through nature. It could be through art and music. It could be through, you know, traditional things like meditation, you know, religion, spirituality. Um, it can be many things. In fact, it is. But the sense is, is that when people can recognize that they do have an inner life and that it is based on mystery and they can begin to cultivate that sense of their life more, that by itself over time will lead to some type of a practice that will be transformative for them. So I, I kind of like turn it on its head and say it's, it's hiding in plain sight. We just need to recognize it. Yeah, and 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 at the same time, I also feel the the pull to underline your question, Ross. Uh, I love the way Jeff, you 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 pulled it around, and at the same time, also bearing witness to um, that there is a a, a a group of frontiers uh, who is smelling the edge, and there is a group who is not doing it, and there is a group who is even further away. And and I wonder, has it always been like that? And where where should and where should we focus? I could and so yeah, I don't have any answer to it, Ross. But I, I also just want to say I hear you, because I can also yes, I am aware of if I see the if I see the love in the person in front of me, uh, then it's more obvious or self-evident that that's what I will connect to. And if I don't see it, then it's uh, that's not what I see. And at the same time, there is a lot of polarization in our society and there is a lot of holding on to the old and, yeah, and scarcity uh, as well. And, uh, and I'm also can notice I have had for us, uh, some moments in this conversation, a curiosity in Ross on, you said you are, almost obsessed to to see what's in between the worlds or in between the and I'm curious if what is it that you see there like because that's also what's in my reality like how I view the world like what's emerging in between mm. the worlds or the cultures or the nodes or the communities or yeah the what's there because I also see like when I if I walk the streets and see people who as you are pointing at Ross, maybe not contemplating or practicing, and 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 I also see when I walk around, as you mentioned, Jeff, that everyone is doing that. We just have different relationships to it, but we are all, in a way, like a mirror of what's in what it, what is actually in between, and what what are we a symbol of, both as mm. a community and a group and society and individuals. So I'm just curious of what you see. Yeah, I mean, I'm and I'm, I don't know if I will. Well, let's try. I'll try and answer that question. I might give a really rubbish answer. It's quite possible, but at the well, you can use my one of my tools. Like just try talk, you know. Just <laughs> yeah. try, and, and that means you don't have to have the right answer. You're just talking along, and maybe there you will find something there. I and maybe that. everything like, will be you know, stupid, you, and then you can just throw it away, you know. <laughs> when you've got writer's block, just write anything, and uh, hopefully it works out. Yeah. No, I mean, I, so I'm, but I'd, I'd also. I'll try and answer your question, but I'd also like to reflect a little bit, Jeff, on your comment, because I love the optimism in, in your words, this idea that everybody is contemplative. And uh, in many ways, I would fully agree with you. And I would also say far too many of us are 
blindly consuming and far too many of us are totally distracted by you know are looking good on our selfies or you know just watching sort of funny animals or whatever that may be you know i mean exactly you did that very well <laughs> we should have a a, um, a competition who can look the best um some i can see the potential for deep and profound even profound contemplation in everybody but i also see this um blind consumption or whatever however we would call that and I, I suppose I what I'm see then sort of this in between space, which on the one hand is on the one hand is the potential for people to find to recognise their their um, contemplative selves and to nurture that contemplative self and to through that practice hopefully become uh, you know more beautiful people more make a more positive contribution in the direction of thriving um uh, on the other hand i also see this the fear in that the 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 uh, and the the tension and the conflict in these in-between spaces i think there's a lot of positive potential and negative potential in these in-between spaces it's as if i sort of envisage this as sort of um low energy points that have the potential to be very high energy but that high energy can be destructive or constructive and i think this is partly why i'm obsessed with seeing if we can bring an awareness to this in between us the potential and to nurture that potential in the most positive ways that we possibly can and i also just also to say briefly Jeff, I really like your challenge when I use that word. How do we? Um, I can't remember exactly what I said, but you were essentially saying let's you know invite. It's more of an invitation to people more than a, a drawing in of people. We're not pulling people in. I think perhaps we're creating the spaces within which people feel invited to step in. I really like that uh, opportunity. And so to rephrase that question, I wonder how might we invite people in to not just blindly consuming or not just hanging on to their existing system, um, which is often, yeah, I'll leave it there. It feels it feels like I'm, I'm still not quite clear how we might make that invitation. I, I feel I like, um, Pamela, because I felt like it's a, it's a moment where the, where the four of us could consciously, I would not call it switch gears, but move towards a part in our conversation, which definitely from my side, sensing into the series of this live stream format ahead, it's not only about an emerging dialogue, it's also to consciously weave ecosystems together and give some hands-on examples and spark hope because the four people in the room are each representing an ecosystem within which they are connected to at least dozens of very powerful nodes in all parts of the planet and i have the feeling to to unpack that 
it makes sense and I would like to to invite Ross to unpack a little bit like this obsession right like with the weaving lab so disclaimer it's not a sales show here but to be able to cross pollinate our efforts just the four of us including inviting the audience to step up as a call to action and say Where could I, as a human being, as a representative, as an activist, as an investor, as whatever, as a possible teammate or strategic partner, like really help manifest something together or change culture on the insides? So with that blurb, Ross, what's the weaving lab? <laughs> but before you, but before you go there, yeah. I would just like to to uh, sure. to bring in what came just before you took the word, Alistair. Because it came out of your response, Ross, when you said like, oh, I really like that with the invitation instead of like trying to, uh, yeah, to pull people or, or however you stated it. Uh, just uh, John Rebecca's name just came up for me. And, you know, he has a quote like stealing the culture from the below and doing what the Romans did. So I was just getting that energy out of what you out of your question, like how how can we invite people or facilitate people with an invitation? Uh, that um, actually, um, yeah, stealing the culture from from below. I don't even know like how that would look like, but I am I'm, I'm deadly curious. Uh, so yeah, maybe we have something here together that could come alive. So yeah, yeah. I um, I mean, first of all, I would definitely say I don't have. Uh, concrete answers to any of this, but I've got some, uh, you know, ideas that I can I can see things that often work uh, with people, and I can see, um, and I'm also really interested in this sort of inner and outer piece that you mentioned, Jeff. And I think there is an, an I think it's a really interesting. A relationship between the inner and outer so i can see people who are really good at inviting people to connect with each other and to themselves towards a shared purpose right and this is this is a there are facilitation techniques that are really good at doing this for example a friend of mine uh, luis camargo in colombia he has a beautiful way of bringing communities together through a process that begins with um, them engaging with the place that they live in together, uh, the, the ge geological history of that place. And he, he br brings them through a kind of timeline experience where they explore the, ge the geology of the place through the geography and then the human history. And through this process, they very often really connect with the place, with each other and with themselves. Uh, internally so it's a lovely beautiful uh, way of doing it and on top of that then i know people who are really good at inviting people to move beyond just sharing a purpose to sharing resources and opportunities and processes in other words to helping people collaborate or as you say jeff coordinate with each other for systemic impact so going deep into what are the root causes of the problems How can we work together to share what we've got in order to collectively um, effect deep, enduring systemic uh, impact? And then on top of that, 
I think there's this idea that it's not enough just to do that and to think that you've now washed your hands, you've affected systemic impact, and now you can go home because, of course, we've got to move from what are often very static, uh, inert systems. If you think of education systems, for example, they're incredibly inert. Uh, the cap capitalist systems tend to be extremely inert. We need to more move towards more organic uh, consciously evolving systems. And so there's this other piece, which is around facilitating people learning together to iterate and evolve together so that the system change that they're affecting becomes continuous and continuously improving. That's all the sort of outer work, which is really interesting. That's the sort of, in, in many ways, the outer work of, of weaving. But unless there is conscious attention paid to the inner work the, the the becoming the system we want to see i think none of this makes any sense so what's really critical as one facilitates this outer work i think is to model the inner work that's needed so if you want a system which is more empathic you need to model increasing empathy um, and compassion and self-awareness and curiosity and all of those things that we know are, are fundamental. So a lot of this, I think, starts this invitation that we've been talking about, I think, is must start with a modeling of a, a certain way of, of being, I think. Because otherwise, I think it's an inauthentic invitation and is more likely to feel like you're being pulled or pushed into a process, which isn't going to work. That would be my um, initial take on it, at least. Hmm. I can notice that uh, I would like to build on that, Ross. Um, and I, and I also want to weave it back to the beginning of the conversation when you mentioned um, the, the story uh, that you can see between being and doing and the separation between them. And uh, for me, there is also, uh, out of the one you mentioned, where I actually also agree with you, and I'm also looking at, for example, one... Um, project and small community that I'm uh, have been a co-initiator for the Nordic Women's Gathering. It's a beacon in the Nordic to um, uh, yeah it's just holding the, the the exploration of womanhood in the 21st century and the feminine principle and um, except the things you mentioned there is also another and that's like we we also are engaging uh, with the principle or the force of eros. And eros for me, I, what I, if I would unpack it a little bit, as you pointed out, Alistair, in the beginning, for me, it's life force. And it's the force that fuels the, the whole evolutionary process in the universe. And that is fueling the mystery of life. And um, I also see that what I can see more and more is that actually in that, Jeff, as you pointed out in, in the conversation, that COVID has brought a 
shift in consciousness that we are aware of we're both fragile and interconnected and need to cooperate that in that interconnectedness that we actually are a impulse like we are an un unbroken lineage of life so we are if we choose to become aware of we have a possibility to be connected to life force and for me that is also part of the feminine leadership of actually being interconnected with also my body and my womb intelligence of being able to to sense and spark where to do actions out of life force energy and, and that can and also how how can organizations and groups actually move from that impulse that creative impulse and in and and i see that when we talk about regenerative um like the re regenerative shift like a society or farming or leadership or well whatever word we put behind regenerative i see that it is about living from that emergent future the future is created in every now so being connected to life force and and sensing in deeply and sensing is beyond the mental intelligence to sense in as a group or a community or organization what is actually the right next step that will take us on our next movement in the evolutionary process we're in um, and I don't know if I make any sense right now, but I, I, I see that is a interesting perspective to keep on exploring of um, what if we are truly guided, if we allow us to be connected to life itself. Uh, and, and, and I also would like to point at me myself in this conversation has pointed at the individual. And I, I heard that also in our conversation in general. And I also see that that the group intelligence and how we can open and foster condition in a group intelligence of like, okay, what is actually here? What is it that we as a group, uh, uh, a shared group awareness can be aware of? Um, so yeah, so I just wanna bring that in as well. Because when we, if I go back to Nordic Women's Gathering, for example, when we create a gathering, we are having a structure that you could say is the masculine principle. Like there is a structure that can hold the chaos, that can hold the emergence that wants to come forward. And so we can shift and change and we're still holding the direction. And, and, and I see that in like... Um, organizations that are more teal-based. That's also what is moving forward. And I wonder, how can we midwife more of that? I don't have any answers to it. I, I can just see a lot of it in different circles. <laughs> 